And let me pray one more time. Lord, I thank you so much for, Lord, this day. Lord, on all the studies are practical, Lord. I know they all are, but, you know, like a Father's Day study is so practical. It's so vital. And I just pray, Lord, that you would work in all of our hearts. Uh, maybe um, some guys here aren't dads yet, but they will be. Uh, ladies need to know this because they need to know how to pray. And they don't know how, they need to know how, even how to counsel men as well. To give the word of what, Lord, a father is. And so, Lord, I pray that you would take this word, take this time, take this step of faith, and truly let it be something that would be used by you to make an everlasting difference. Father, together we pray that if there is anyone here who doesn't know you, who's not a Christian, Lord, that today you would just work in their hearts and give them, Lord, ears to hear, Lord, what you would have to say to them. We love you, Lord. We need you desperately. We pray you bless this time, and we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I love Father's Day. I think it's because I love being a father. You know, even though I've fallen short in so many ways, and even though I'm kind of getting old now, uh, I, you know, I don't think it's too late. I refuse to give up. I want to be a good dad one day because I want the best for my children. You know, I love Father's Day. I really do. I just love it. Some might say, well, it's bet it's because it's the gifts he's going to get or the treats he's going to eat. Um, but that's not the case either. Although I am looking forward to the food with my family, I must admit. And I did see some gifts online that I wanted to just advertise at this point. <laughs> no, I'm serious. <laughs> You know, I did see some things online. Uh, the gifts for the dad who has everything. And believe it or not, one looked really appealing. It was a Ferrari. Um, but here's the thing, okay, before you, you know, think something strange. It wasn't the purchase of a Ferrari, because I know that's way out of our reach. But they actually have what they call a Ferrari experience. For a few bucks, you can drive one and race a Ferrari. And I thought, wow. That would be a cool Father's Day gift, you know? But anyways, you know, this is a special day. Uh, Not for the gifts we're going to get, but for those of us who are fathers, just the gift of being a father, huh? Wouldn't you say that? Dad's having children. I mean, what an absolute blessing that is. It's a special day today. We get to honor our dads. And at the same time, I realize for some, this can be a tough day because You know, maybe dad is no longer with you, or maybe he never was. Um, Maybe those memories aren't all that sweet. But for you, I pray you would know you have always had a heavenly father. And today you can honor him and celebrate him. You know, having been a father for over 20 years and having been a pastor, dealing with families and studying the Bible for 18 of those years, I know this is not an easy job, being a dad It's a calling, it's a role, it's a responsibility that goes beyond any human book or sermon or 10-point outline. But today, uh, the Lord kind of laid it on my heart, and I really believe, I'm believing that He gave me something to give to you. Uh, He gave me actually an acronym 
of things that I've learned over the years to be very important in this, uh, the most high and holy calling that we can have as men to be dads and then to be husbands. And it was cool because we went over the Mother's Day message and then the Father's Day message and if husbands would be and wives would be and then you single people, you know what God's called you to do? First Corinthians 7, it's to serve the Lord in the ministry, to serve the Lord without distraction. If we all do what God's called us to do, oh man, it's going to be amazing. You know, today we get to focus on being a father. And so uh, what I want to do is I want to give you something. Maybe you'll remember it. I know I have remembered it. It's been pretty cool. I need all the help I can get for retention, right? And so each letter of the word father will communicate something that I believe, that I've experienced in reading the Bible and just living life in church is very important. And the first word is the word faith. As a father, that first word is the word faith. It's got to start there. Because look what it says in Ephesians 2 in verse 8. It says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Faith. You know, just in case you didn't know, the ultimate responsibility of being a father is to do all you can to make sure that your children have a home in heaven. You know, you might want to buy them a home here, and that's fine, and get them all this stuff, and that's dandy. But as a father, your primary responsibility is to make sure that your children have a home in heaven. But we won't be able to show the way to heaven unless we ourselves know the way to heaven, unless we ourselves know the God of heaven. And you might be a decent father, but you will never fulfill your ultimate role and responsibility unless you yourself Know the Lord. And you have exercised faith in Jesus Christ. Where you've turned from your sins and you trusted him as Lord and Savior of your life. You know, if you're here today and and you're a dad, even a mom or single person, it doesn't matter. You got to know this, that you need Jesus. That your sins have separated you from him. And the Lord wants to come in today and make this Father's Day. Will you will be born again? Will you become a child of God? Because the Bible says, as many as received him, speaking of Jesus, as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. And if you don't know the Lord today, I believe God brought you here today because he loves you so much. And he wants you to surrender your life to his love. It all begins with faith. It all begins with the day that you come to Christ and you know the Lord. You know, the only way we can ever make sure that our kids have a home in heaven is to be a faithful father. And the way that we move towards being a faithful father is by having faith in Christ. And that's what you read right here. It's by grace you've been saved through faith the moment you believed. The Bible says, then you were born again. You know, I was uh, kind of messing around. You guys know I'm weird, right? For You guys have been here for a while, and uh, I don't know what it is about me. I like to write poems, 
And I, and I did a little poem right here. And for a lot of the guys, they don't like poems. They're like, oh, I'm going to lose him now, okay? So this might be for the girls. I don't know. <laughs> but either way, let me see if I can read this to you and see if it makes any sense to you. The functionality of a father. It says he throws the kids up in the air. After all, he's been given the strength to do this. And yet he catches them every time with great care. For he'll have to do this for the rest of his life. He wrestles and tickles and plays with the boys. He smiles and laughs. He teaches his sons to have fun with their toys. He also teaches his boys to fight for what's right, to defend their family with all of their might. And his daughters are meted and treated as lovely ladies all along. He's their human hero and does his best to be there when things go wrong. He's stern and he's firm, but smiles and corrects. He disciplines his children. He's called to protect. He's the first to wake up, up, even before the sun, to spend time with the Lord, and then his day has begun. He works hard, cleans the yard, fixes things when they break, kills the spiders, mosquitoes, for his family's sake. He washes the car, gasses it up. He makes sure it has oil and air in the tires, has pliers and wires and extinguishers to put out the fires. He fires up the barbecue. He fires up the fireplace. He gets fired up when sin abounds but knows how to show grace. He listens. He counsels, doesn't laugh at the dreams of his child and never stops believing even when things do get Real while the father does not leave, he should not grieve the children he's been blessed to conceive. You see, eternity is at stake. So daddies and dads, pops, papas and papas, I would ask you today to rise to his cause. For more than anything else, a father loves the Lord more than ministry, more than money, more than job. More than fun or funny, he won't rob his family from what he's called to do and be, to point them as a father to the Father God for eternity. You see, it's faith. And as we have this Father, we point our children to the Father. And there's a lot of things. And I love being a dad. I love tickling my kids, even though they don't let me anymore, you know, and all those things. I love to see dads throw their kids up in the air. And even though moms are like, "Ah," you know, it's just awesome, but it's symbolic of the strength you've been given to work hard for your kids and take care of them. You see, it's the faith of the fathers. You know, it's interesting as you read throughout the Bible. Today, we're going to turn around to different scriptures. But let me read to you, you know, how God reached out to Isaac. We read in Genesis twenty six twenty four, And the Lord appeared to him the same night and said, I am the God of your father, Abraham. Do not fear, for I am with you. I will bless you and multiply your descendants for my servant Abraham's sake. You said, you see, Isaac knew what God had done in the life of his father, Abraham. Because Abraham walked with God. Abraham was a man of faith in God. And so later on, when Isaac was crossing that threshold, God appeared to him with a message that was so powerful. Isaac, I'm the God of your father. And I will bless your life, too. 
What a difference the father of Isaac made, Abraham, and of course the God of Abraham. And then when God spoke to Jacob, we read in Genesis 46, verse 3, I am the God of your father. Do not fear to go down, for I will make of you a great nation there. And then when God appeared to Moses, we read in Exodus chapter 3, verse 6, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, and Isaac, and Jacob. He was the God of Moses' father. You see, it's our responsibility to be believers, and one day, somehow, some way, God will speak to our children and reveal himself as the God of their father. And it's then we will pass the baton of faith to our children. And Adrian Rogers, he tells a really cool story. And he said, you know, every little boy wants to be like his dad. I was a youngster. I was not saved. But I was sitting in revival crusade because somebody invited our family. My dad was sitting next to me right on the aisle. When the invitation was given, my dad stepped out and gave his heart to Jesus Christ. I was overwhelmed. Do you know who the next person was down the aisle? A little boy named Adrian Rogers, following his dad. Down that aisle to give his life to Jesus Christ. Sir, if you have a son, he wants to be like you. My prayer is that you would want to be like him. And that you would exercise faith in Jesus Christ. You know, there's a really cool illustration of this over in the book of Acts, chapter 16. In Acts chapter 16, notice in verse 25, when Paul and Silas were arrested for being faithful in Philippi and preaching the gospel, they were put in prison at the bottom of the dungeon. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, so the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awaking from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. Imagine that. So close to death. So close to hell. But look what happens. We read in verse 28, But Paul called with a loud voice, saying, Do yourself no harm, for we are all here. And then he called for a light, ran in, and fell down, trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And so they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. Notice, you and your household. Now, is that an absolute promise? You know, not necessarily. Everyone has to make their choice. But when you get saved as a dad, when you get saved as a leader... What that does is your children's chances of getting saved skyrocket. And it is a general principle, perhaps not an absolute precept. But see, that's the way it works. And that's why being a father begins with faith. It begins with faith in Jesus Christ. And we see how you're saved. How do I get saved? Believe. 
believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's that promise. You, you know, you're going to get saved. And so it says right there, then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes. And immediately he and all his family were baptized. You see? You see what a difference a father makes who exercises faith in Jesus Christ. All your family. Not one gets left behind. All your family gets baptized into the body of Christ. I like what David said to Solomon. and said in 1 Chronicles 28 verse 9, As for you, my son Solomon, know the God of your father. Beautiful words there in First Chronicles 28. But at the same time, we know it's going to take much more than words. And so now we move to the second letter in the acronym. After faith is the word action. The A stands for action. And if you go over to James chapter 2, one of my favorite books in the Bible. James chapter 2. Notice in verse 18, he says, But someone will say, Well, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You see, being a dad, you have to be real. You have to know the Lord. You must exercise faith in Jesus Christ. You must be born again. But you got to know that if it's true faith, it will always manifest itself in a life that is transformed. C.H. Spurgeon said, a faith that doesn't change my behavior will never change my destiny. There will be a life. There will be an action. There will be activity. There will be a walk. There will be works that your children will see that are so important for them in order for them to catch that same vision. Now, Paul, I'm writing to the Philippians, if you want to turn back to Philippians chapter 3. In verse 16, he said, Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, and let us be of the same mind. Brethren, join in following my example, and note those who so walk, as you have us for a pattern, for many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. You know, we we see the truth taught through James, that it's not just faith, it's, it's the works. And now we see the truth taught through Paul, that it's not just the words, it's the walk. I've told you guys before to ask yourself that question, Am I a talky-talky or a (laughs) walkie-talky? Do you just talk? Do you just preach at your children? Do you read the Bible? Go to church? How about living the Bible and demonstrating it before them? It's the only hope that they have. There has to be works and there must be a walk that our children will see. It won't be by words alone. Our children need to be demonstrated these things indeed. 
illogical, it's impossible, it's hypocritical, and it's even detrimental to tell our kids to simply do as we say. No, our kids, with the exception of a few, will almost always do as we do, period. And we have to walk the talk. We have to be a sample we read right here in our text. We have to be an example to them. We need to be the new living translation of the Bible. Not in words only for our actions. You know this, don't you? They speak much louder than our words. Children, you don't have to say it, but you show it. This is how you love the Lord. This is how you love your wife. And you show your daughter, this is the man. This is the type of man that you wait for. You live these things. You show your son, this is how you work. You show them, this is how you care. You show them, this is how you help the poor. And you live the life. You know, girls will look for a man who holds the pattern of their father. Therefore, if dad was kind and loving and gentle, they will reach for those characteristics in men. God will, girls will look for in others what they have experienced with their father. And boys will often model themselves after their fathers. They will look for their father's approval in everything they do and copy those behaviors that they recognize as both successful and merely familiar. Thus, if dad was abusive, controlling, and dominating, those will be the patterns that their sons will imitate and emulate. However, if father is loving, kind, supportive, and protective, then boys will follow suit. You know, the Bible says, Third John verse 4, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. And our children have a much better chance of walking in truth if dad shows them how to walk in truth. You see, father begins with faith, continues with actions. And then something that I found to be so important for fathers is that word time. Time. If you go over to Mark chapter 3. In Mark chapter 3, in verse 14, there's a little subtle truth that's tucked away in this passage. And we can begin in verse 13. Jesus is calling his disciples, his apostles. It says, He went up on the mountain, called to him those he himself wanted. And they came to him. Then he appointed twelve, notice that they might be with him. And that he might send them out to preach. See, when the Lord is going to pour into his disciples and disciple them. And show them what they need to be as men of God. He knew the key was not in the classroom. He knew the key was in relationship and communication and life, and just being with Him. And the same is true for us dads. You know, in John 14, verse 23, Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. 
Some dads, I'm, I'm afraid to say, they don't even have their home with their children. I mean, they might live together, but is there that quantity, quality time? Time, time. How do you spell love? You know, I know people, they, they pride themselves in being good spellers. You know, how do you spell love? It's L-U-V, right? Text message. No. <laughs> you guys know that love is not even spelled L-O-V-E. Love is spelled T-I-M-E. Time. You love your kids? How much time do you spend with them? You know, the average father in America spends seven and a half minutes a week with his teenage son or daughter. Again, Adrian Rogers said the problem in America today is phantom fathers, failing fathers, dropout dads. They spawn them and pawn them and they're gone. It's so important that we spend time with our children. I read a story of a young man who was sentenced to be in the penitentiary. And the judge had known him from childhood, for he was well acquainted with his father, who was a famous legal scholar and the author of an exhaustive study entitled The Law of Trust. And the judge said, Do you remember your father? I remember him well, said the son. Then trying to probe the offender's conscience, the judge said, As you are about to be sentenced, and as you think of your wonderful dad, what do you remember most clearly about him? And there was a pause, and then the judge received an answer that he didn't expect. I remember, the son said, when I went to him for advice. He looked up at me from the book he was writing, and he said, Run along, boy. I'm busy. When I went to him for companionship, he turned me away. And he said, run along, son. This book must be finished. Your Honor, you remember him as a great lawyer. I remember him as an absentee father. And the judge then realized the man had finished the book, but not his son. To write a book. Who here has written a book? Well, what an accomplishment it would be to to write a book and to write a famous book and to be a famous man. But to raise a boy, to become a man, is much greater. That will require faith. That will require action. And that will require quantity, quality, time with your children. Like I said to you today, uh, today's different. Uh, the Lord really laid some things on my heart. And uh, I think it's special. I love being a dad. And so I have now a request for you. This is like my Father's Day gift. I'm going to share a few things with you. One is a video. And the other is a couple of songs by Stephen Curtis Chapman. Okay? When I first started teaching, every sermon I ever preached... I would always mention my kids. I would always quote Stephen Curtis Chapman, and I would always cry, okay? And then people would always, like, talk to you, oh, you can't do that anymore. And so I kind of chillaxed a little bit, you know. I, I don't talk about my kids as much, and it's been a while, you know, since I've quoted Stephen Curtis Chapman. And uh, I don't know, I, I cry once in a while, right, still. 
But I want to share with you a video. It's kind of cool. It's just a little Father's Day thing. But it does touch on this point that I just made on, on time. And so if you would allow me this Father's Day gift to be a little different and show me grace, I'd really appreciate that. Hey, what's it like being a dad? Mr. Clams has been sleeping for two days, Daddy. Goodbye, Mr. Clams. No! All right, just slow down a little Dad, bit. Dad, stop yelling at me! I don't think that... <gasps> oh! Okay, okay. All right, and that is why we always wear our seatbelt. And that's the birds and the bees. So proud of you, son. Run. Huh? Run, it's gonna blow! Have I told you lately? I know, Dad. You love me. You tell me all the time. Actually, I was going to tell you I think you're beautiful inside and out. Whatever. This right here goes to your future, this right here goes to you, and this right here goes to God. Whoa, whoa, whoa. How much does God get? What's wrong, beautiful? Trevor broke up with me. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> He's such a jerk. He broke up with me on a text message. He just replied. Dad, I can't believe you! <laughs> Thanks, Dad. He didn't deserve you. He didn't deserve you. One, two, Heavenly Father, thank you for being so good to us. God has the coolest job. He can make clouds all day. Yeah, he does. But I think one of his very best jobs is when he made you. Daddy. Hey, what's it like being a dad? How much time you got? sometimes, huh? 
Dads, you have to find the time, you have to take the time, you have to make the time to run into the pool with all your clothes on, with all your children. You create those memories and you encourage them. You spend time with them with their science projects. It makes a difference. Ephesians 5, verse 15 through 17 says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, buying back that time. Because the days are evil, therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Charles Francis Adams, the 19th century political figure and diplomat, he kept a diary. And one day he entered into his diary, went fishing with my son today, a day wasted. His son, however, Brooke Adams, also kept the diary, which is still in existence today. And on that same day, Brooke Adams made this entry. He said, went fishing with my dad today. The most wonderful day of my life. Dads, whatever you do, don't ever think that spending time with your kids is a waste in the least. See how the son sees it? That's how our father sees it. And so I believe, fathers, you need to have faith, you need to have action. You need to spend time with your kids. And then the next letter is, is the H. And I believe that that H stands for holiness. Holiness. If you go over to Hebrews uh, chapter 12, and there are many passages that we could turn to along these lines. But Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 10, it says, For they... Indeed, for a few days chastened us as seemed best to them, speaking of our human fathers, but he for our profit, that we may be partakers of his holiness. You see, God is disciplining us. God is working on our life. God is setting us apart so that we can be holy. And that means that, you know, there's not that life of compromise or carnality. Uh, there's not the... Walk of worldliness. Now, there's a lot. There's a walk of holiness. Now, uh, there's much to say along these lines, uh, but I want to say just a couple of things because of where the fact that we're limited on time is that you know the way that we're going to be holy. And number one is by the Holy Bible. Uh, if you go over to Proverbs chapter one. In verse 8, it says, My son, hear the instruction of your father and do not forsake the law of your mother. If you look at verse 15, My son, do not walk in the way with them. Keep your foot from their path. If you go over to Proverbs chapter 2, verse 1, My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you. In chapter 3, verse 1, My son, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commands. You see, I like the Hebrews passage because it's speaking of the fact that God disciplines us to make us holy. 
fathers need to do the same things with their kids. They themselves must be holy. And here it's beautiful because the father is speaking to the fathers who's speaking to the sons about the importance of the Holy Bible. This is why it's so important, fathers, that you know this word more than anything else. You know the word. You read the word. You heed the word. See, we'll be holy by knowing the Holy Bible and by having the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 5.18 says, Do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, and that is a wasted life, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. See, because we want to be holy. I want to be different. I want to be what God made me to be. I'm the only, you know, manny. And I know I got my hang-ups and my struggles. It's kind of funny. I'll share this with you guys because it's a Father's Day thing. And I feel a little bit more just sensitive to the Spirit, I think, because I'm so happy. I love being a dad. But I'm just going to share this story with you. I remember, uh, have you guys ever had someone call you the wrong name? Yeah, that's kind of cool. It's kind of funny, huh? You don't say anything or do you usually say something? Hey, that's not my name. <laughs> they've called me Danny. They've called me Sammy. Um, uh, they've called me uh, even Mandy, right? I've had different people call me. But my favorite one that they've called me by accident is Manly. Manly. I'm like, hey, I can, I can hang on to that one. Because <laughs> I want to be, in a godly way, Manly. I want to be a godly man. And I think in looking at this, just who God wants me to be, not you. We're all different. That's the holiness, to be like him. We're partakers of his holiness. And so we need to pray and we need to obey that the Holy Spirit would empower us. Don't doubt or disobey. Don't quench or grieve the Holy Spirit. And you need to pray. You know, once a father overheard his son Say to God, dear God, make me the kind of man my daddy is. Later that night, that man knelt down and prayed. Therefore, God, make me the kind of man my son needs. Pray. Pray for the Holy Spirit. Read the Bible, and God will make you a holy man. It's important. And then we come to the letter E, and I want to use this letter for this word and. The word is encouragement. Encouragement. If you go over to Ephesians chapter 6. And it says in verse 4, You fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. And the, the, there's a lot here uh, for you fathers. You can meditate on this passage. But you want to know the, the, the phrase that really just kind of like, to me, is emphasized? Is the words, bring them up. Bring them up. Because the whole world is tearing them down. And many fathers are participating in what the world is doing to their children. And they're tearing them down. They're putting them down when God is calling fathers to bring them up. Of course, we know it must be done in truthful training and exhortation and discipline. 
But when you discipline your children, you don't do it even that in a disrespectful fashion. We bring them up. We build them up. We literally build them up. And we will do this as we obey the Lord and we speak words of encouragement to their life. How many times do you read in the Bible God speaking words of courage to his children? Don't be afraid. God says it over and over again. Be strong in the power of the Lord. 1 Thessalonians 2.11, it says, As you know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father does his children. You see, this is what fathers do. They exhort, they comfort, they charge their children. The word there for, uh, to, to, to comfort is the word parakaleo. It means to call to one side, to strengthen, to build up. To encourage, not to discourage. You see, Psalm 103 verse 13 says, They know that their their children are going to make mistakes, but a father pities his children. He understands that he is a work in progress, which he himself must be a part of building up. Ephesians 4 verse 29 is so important for fathers. It says, Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification that it may impart grace to their hearers. Because when we speak down to our children, we don't build them up, we tear them down. And I tell you what, there's that saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's a lie. It's the biggest lie. They will remember, and it will echo and resonate in their hearts. All those negative words that you've spoken into their life. But if you speak truth and if you speak words of encouragement to them, you will do your duty and you will build your children up. Studies show that if our father is affectionate, supportive, and involved, it contributes greatly to the child's language development, social development, academic achievement, a strong inner core, a sense of well-being and authenticity. All it is is finding a a dad who believes in his kids. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure you can focus on on the flaws. I bet you there's a lot to say. And don't get me wrong. Correction has its place. And dealing with issues is important. But, you know, for us as dads, if you don't believe in your kids, then who will? It's important that you believe in them. It's important that you speak words of encouragement to them. It'll change their life. You know, I want to share with you two songs by Stephen Curtis Chapman. And, you know, I'm taking a big chance here because you guys, I don't know if you like his music. um, But this guy, God has used in my life and I'll be honest with you, these are songs that I, I listen to over and over again. The words are incredible. And I need to qualify them, however. Um, if I look to my son and I say, I believe in you, I'm not you know, saying you're God or I'm not using positive confession. All I'm saying is I believe 
that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. So I want you to understand the context to what I'm saying, what he's saying. You know, when the father spoke to the son after Jesus had been baptized, you know what the father said? He said to him, and he said, when you put all the synoptic gospels together, he said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. And then he said, you are my son in whom I am well pleased. You know what that is? Those are words of a proud papa. Look for ways that you can encourage your children. And that's why I want to give you the background of these songs, and then we're almost done. Because one is going to say, I believe in you. And, and you got to know what that means. Be there as their support. And the other one is to say, I, I'm proud of you. Now, again, we know as Christians that pride is not a good thing. So I'm never proud of my own accomplishments. But when I see my son try, and he may not, you know, succeed in the world's eyes. But when I see him try and give it the best he's got, that's what makes a father smile. See, and they got to know that. So that's what these songs are about, and I hope you don't mind. When I was little, I was talking to my dad the other day because it was his birthday and plus Father's Day, and we had a really good conversation, and he was uh, he actually gave me his testimony because I, I wanted to record it uh, and show it to you guys today, but I don't know. I just said, man, that's too much. But um, one day, <laughs> one day. But I remember when I was little, I still remember he would sit me down, and we would just listen to music. It was kind of cool. That was back when they had albums. Do you guys know what albums are? Long time ago, man. <laughs> so let's just kind of do that today. We're going to sit back and, and we're going to listen to a couple of songs. Okay. Singing 
Strike three, bottom of the ninth, and you were batting back the cheese, feeling like you let the whole world down, down, down. And you and me, driving home in silence, I was searching through my words, trying to find the perfect ones to say out loud. Well, I don't remember what it was I said to you, but I remember what it was I wanted you to hear. Proud, I'm just so proud. I don't know how to say it any better. Proud, you make me proud. I went on. You step up to the plate, swinging for the fence. You're gonna change the world around you. I'm convinced. Just look how you're changing me. We both know that sometimes you make me crazy, and we both know that sometimes we let each other down. But I want you to know whatever you. Because you are you, you've always been making me proud. I don't know how to say it any better. Proud, you make me proud. And when I lose, well, it really doesn't matter. 'Cause you step up to the plate and swing for the fence. You're gonna change the world around you. I'm convinced. Well, just look how you're changing me. You're making me proud. Making me proud. I'm so proud. 
Words of encouragement. You know, I know that that word proud is, is something that we had to be careful of as Christians. Um, but just in case you're wondering, the New Living Translation does say, in 2 Corinthians 7.14, uh, Paul said, I had told him how proud I was of you, and you didn't disappoint me. And so what we do is we just kind of see it as more along the lines of, I believe in God, and I believe that he will work through your life. And I want you to know that the good that you're doing, I recognize. I acknowledge that. And those words spoken from a father will carry his kids. I mean, I can share this with you. I, the other day, uh, I hope it's okay to share. I was at softball game. My son was playing, and man, he got a good hit. And I'm not boasting or anything. I'm just saying, you know, he got a good hit. <laughs> and he scored. And then he came around and... As he's walking to the dugout, he looks at me. Why? Because he wants to hear me say, good job. They're looking for that approval. Now again, we don't approve sin. And don't misunderstand me. What I am saying is, when there's things to say attaboy about, I pray you wouldn't miss those opportunities. You see, the A stands for words of encouragement. And then the, the last letter, R, it stands for reward. And we'll close over in Psalm 128. It says, Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. When you eat the labor of your hands, you shall be happy. And it shall be well with you. Your wife shall be like a fruitful vine in the very heart of your house, and your children like olive plants all around your table. Behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. The Lord bless you out of Zion, and may you see the good of Jerusalem all the days of your life. Yes, may you see your children's children. I like this because, you know, if we do these things, if we exercise faith, if we find ourselves as men of action, if we are men who spend time with their kids and we're holy by the Holy Scriptures and the Holy Spirit, if we speak those words of encouragement into the lives and hearts of our kids, then we will be rewarded. We really will. And we see that here in this psalm, Psalm 128 and verse 1, we see that the, the Lord is the Lord of this man. We see the same thing in verse 4. We see his Lord we see his labor in verse 2. It says, when you eat the labor, this is not easy. It's going to be exhausting toil and work. It's not for wimps being a dad that would honor God. We see his Lord. We see his labor. But then we see his legacy. That as he lives this life and has the Lord, and it's amazing, you know, when you see this, he will benefit from it. It says right here, you, you will eat <laughs> the labor of your hands. And it's going to be, you know, happy. You want a happy Father's Day? This is how you get it. 
You know, you will be happy and it will be well with you and your wife. Look what, look what the Lord does in, in her life. She's a fruitful vine and your kids. Notice where they are. They're in the very heart of your house. They're not the extended boundaries. They're not over someone else's house. They're there in the heart of your house. And they're going to be like these little olive plants all around your table. Notice they're not olive trees yet. They're olive plants. They're still growing. And God is using you to mend their lives. And when you do this, you will find yourself leaving a legacy. I don't know if you know what a difference your life makes. It's massive. It is massive. Let me just close by reading this uh, story. Jonathan Edwards was born in 1703 in East Windsor, Connecticut, He attended Yale University at age 13 and later went on to serve as president of the College of New Jersey, now known as Princeton. When he was just 20 years old, he wrote a list of personal resolutions. Among them, he said this, I will ask myself at the end of every day wherein I could possibly in any respect have done better. In no area was Edwards' resolve stronger than in his role as a father. Edwards and his wife Sarah had 11 children. Despite a rigorous work schedule that included rising at 4.30 in the morning to read and write in his library and extensive travels and endless administrative meetings, he always made time for his children. Indeed, he committed to spending at least one hour a day with them. And if he missed a day because he was traveling, he diligently made up that hour when he returned. Numerous books have been written about Edward's life, his work, and influence on American history, and his powerful professional legacy. But the legacy that Edwards would probably be most proud of is his legacy as a father. The scholar Benjamin Warfield of Princeton has charted the 1,394 known descendants of Jonathan Edwards. What he found was an incredible testament to Jonathan Edwards. Of his known descendants, there were 13 college presidents, 65 college professors, 30 judges, 100 lawyers, 60 physicians, 75 army and navy officers, 100 pastors, 60 authors of prominence, three United States senators, 80 public servants in other capacities, including governors and ministers to foreign country, and one vice president of the United States. You see, the story of Jonathan Edwards is an example of what some sociologists call the five-generation rule. And how a father raises his child, the loves he gives, the values he teaches, the emotional environment he offers, the education he provides, influences and not only his children, but the next four generations to follow. What fathers do, in other words, will reach through the next five generations. The example of Jonathan Edwards shows just how rich that legacy can be. But... The five-generation rule also works in the other direction. If we fail to work at being good fathers, our neglect can plague generations. Consider the case of Max Jukes, a contemporary of Edwards. As an, as an adult, Jukes had a drinking problem that kept him from holding a steady job. 
It also kept him from showing much concern for his wife and his children. He would disappear, sometimes for days, and return drunk. He made little time for loving and instructing his children. Benjamin Warfield has also charted Juke's descendants, and what he found further supports the five-generation rule. Warfield was able to trace 550 of Juke's descendants, and they offer a stunning contrast to Edward's legacy. Of Juke's known descendants, 300 died, 310 died as paupers. At least 150 were criminals, including seven murderers. More than 100 were drunkards, and half of his female descendants ended up being prostitutes. Now, of course, it doesn't mean that people are simply a product of their parenting and who they are is determined entirely by their ancestry. There have been many who descended from men like Jukes and overcame these obstacles. Others have come from loving homes like Edwards, only to descend into a troubled adulthood. But we must understand that these are exceptions, not the rule. You see, the story of Jonathan Edwards and Max Jukes offers powerful lessons about the legacy we will leave as fathers. Five generations from now, it is likely that our professional accomplishments will be forgotten. In fact, our descendants may know little about us or our lives. But the way we parent today will directly affect not only our children, but also our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren, and the generations that follow. You see, dads, we will leave a legacy. I pray you would know what a difference your life makes as a dad. God will reward your labor of love in eternity as you're faithful to him with the family he's entrusted to your care. You will be rewarded now, and you will be greatly rewarded then. The book of Acts, chapter 16. Remember, we read earlier about the Philippian jailer. It says in the next verse, 34, Now when he had brought them into his house, he set food before them, and he rejoiced, having believed in God with all his household. See? And that's what we're going to do today, huh, guys? We're going to set food before us, and we're going to rejoice. You know, I don't know how it's been, and I know that sometimes, you know, being challenged with a Father's Day message or maybe even a Mother's Day message, for some it might be a little tough. Oh, man, I haven't really been the, the dad that, I, that I, I want to be. And, you know, don't, don't even let that be the byproduct of this message. Um, you know, the kings, they were down 3 nothing to the sharks, right? 3-0. They came back. They were down to the Ducks. Of course they came back. I mean, they were down to the Chicago Blackhawks in Game 7. They came back. Today, they're the champions, right? It doesn't matter where you are in your fatherhood today. I pray that God will use this to stir us up to one of the greatest privileges that we have in the whole wide world, and that is to be a dad. God help us. Lord, we thank you so much uh, for this time, Lord, and I pray that you bless every dad here, every person here, Lord, and that we would know that we have a Heavenly Father. Lord, I just pray that you would take the words that were spoken and you just stir us up in the areas of faith and action and time and holiness and encouragement so that these guys would be rewarded greatly. Lord, we love you. We thank you 
for being our Father. Taking care of us, protecting us, providing for us, and directing us all the days of our life. Lord, I just ask that you do a new work. Bless your beautiful people. And if there is anyone here who doesn't know you, Lord, today, let them surrender their lives to you. Today, help us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. Hey, you know, one last thing. For the dad that, that has everything, you know what I, they, they sell at CVS? It's a back scratcher. Have you guys seen this right here? This is really, really cool, man. And so if you guys want to get the dad who has everything, here it is right down the street, man. Okay? Let's all stand and we'll worship.